Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So yesterday uh, on our show, I misspoke and I tweeted about it last night, but I kind of want you to hear it from me directly. I said something that I feel a responsibility for not leaving unexamined because my words upset so many people, which was never my intention. And I understand why now. And for that, I am deeply, deeply grateful because the information I got was really helpful and helped me understand some different things. And while discussing how a Tennessee school board unanimously, unanimously voted to remove a graphic novel about the Holocaust, I said that the Holocaust wasn't about race and it was instead about man's inhumanity to man. But it is indeed about race because it is indeed about race. And I, I got to tell you, she didn't misspeak. That wasn't it either. But the reason this story starts us off is because cancel culture is a valueless proposition. And I get the rules, guys. I'm absolutely there with you. The rules are that you violate the rules and you got to go. You go out there and, and, and you, uh, you know, uh, insult a whole group of people uh, you, you there's no place for you in in society anymore and whoopi goldberg should be sent back to whatever multi-million dollar mansion or penthouse that that she has and and live her days as as a hermit uh you know with cable tony katz tony katz today it's good to be with you facebook tony katz radio the phone number 833 got tony 833-468-8669 that is the number but I don't believe in cancel culture. And I didn't believe in cancel culture when it was Deshaun Jackson. And I don't believe in cancel culture now. Cancel culture is the enemy. Because when cancel culture happens, nobody gets to learn anything. You only get destroyed. Let's be clear about who wants whom destroyed. The political left wants the political right destroyed. The political right thinks that it should be able to have a conversation with the political left without being destroyed. Let's also be clear about a couple of things. Only about Jews could you speak this way and still have a job. No, nope, no, nope, you can speak this way about Christians. Only Muslims can you not speak about this way and, 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 and can you speak about this way and lose your job. Right? That, that, that's it. That, that's absolutely right. You can totally talk about Jews this way and it's not a problem. What is it that we're getting at? Where does this start from and why does this matter so incredibly much? Why does this matter in the backdrop of Joe Rogan, Neil Young, Spotify, where you've got so many people working so hard to get Joe Rogan off of Spotify and Joe Rogan misinformation? Nothing could be more misinformation than Whoopi Goldberg talking about the Holocaust yesterday on The View and making this claim. Well, also, if you're going to do this, then let's be truthful about it, because the Holocaust isn't about race. No, no, it's well, not about maybe race. Maybe it, well, no, it's it's about a different it, race, but it's it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. 
that's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but it's not, it's not about ideal race. It's but these are two Roma. white groups of people. Well, how do we have to black people see too. them as white? And they, but you're missing the point. You're yeah. missing the point. Yeah. The minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. The question, of course, would be why. Why did the Nazis treat Jews like that? And no, uh, Anna Navarra, it wasn't about white supremacy. You, you, you really are adult, and it did, did expose Whoopi's conversation. The Nazis treated uh, the Jews this way and wanted to exterminate the Jews because they made a claim that they were seeking a master race, of course, the Aryans, and that Jews were an inferior race. There is no way to have the conversation about the Holocaust without discussing it as a conversation of race. The specific targeting of Jews proves that point. Man's inhumanity to man occurs. I don't disagree. But doesn't, don't you ever ask yourself, why did it occur? I argue against hate crimes. A crime is a crime. It's a crime if someone robs my father. It's a crime if someone robs your father. That my father is white and your father may be black doesn't make it any more, any less of a crime. Just like my father being Jewish and your father not being Jewish doesn't make it any more, any less of a crime. But when a guy walks into a church in South Carolina, or a guy walks into a synagogue in Dallas, Texas, and in South Carolina murders nine, was it nine people? Was it 11 people? I'm ashamed that I have forgotten. When you take three or four Jews hostage, there's a purpose, there's a reason that you did that. And in South Carolina, that guy did it because those people were black. And in Dallas, Texas, that guy did it because they were Jews. Not deniable. Clear as the day is long. So do I argue that it should be more of a crime because they were black or because they were Jewish? Absolutely not. I oppose that. Because that creates subsets of people. That creates subsets of people where some people, you know, say it's animal farm. All the animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. I, uh, no, 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 I oppose that. So it is clear, clear to me, clear to uh, uh, anybody who has read a book, that of course the Holocaust is about race. Because it is how the Nazis created the construct. And believe me, I, I, this is stuff I know. I double-checked myself with my rabbi this morning. I did the work. But it seems that Whoopi Goldberg had not done the work. Because Whoopi Goldberg appears on Stephen Colbert's show. And on Stephen Colbert's show, it seems to me like she is doubling down on this idea. Yeah. Have you have you come to understand that the Nazis saw it as race? Well, because they might like well, asking the Nazis, they would say, yes, it's a racial issue. Well, see, this is what's interesting to me, because the Nazis lied. 
it wasn't. They they had issues with ethnicity, not with race, because most of the Nazis were white people, and most of the people they were attacking were white people. So to me, I'm thinking, how can you how can you say it's about race if you are fighting each other? So. It all really began because I said, how will children, how will we explain to children what happened in Nazi Germany? This wasn't, I said, this wasn't racial. This was about white on white. And- she has first doubled down on this idea at this time yesterday. And, and remember, they record the show early. So this happened 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. Eastern time. And second... She has let you know for a second time that she views everything within her, what you would describe as, I guess, her lens, right? Thinking that the world started yesterday, the only way you could talk about race is white-black. And the only way to talk about race is that all black people are, are, are oppressed or put upon. That, this is the argument that she's making. She couldn't see how the Holocaust could be anything else, Right? Because it's white on white. So therefore, it's just man's inhumanity to man. Is this how we argue uh, the black people who sold black people into slavery? Just man's inhumanity to man? Was slavery in and of itself just man inhumanity, in, man's inhumanity to man? No! Part of the evil of slavery is believing that you actually, as a person, have dominion over another person based on some... What, immutable characteristic? A color of skin? Pure evil. You won't get me to say otherwise, even about the Founding Fathers. Pure evil. For all of the greatness, dear Lord, that right there is a stain that remains. Yes, you got to understand the time. Yes, you got to also recognize the facts. So she did it twice. And clearly showing, clearly expressing that she didn't begin to understand the subject. She simply thought that history existed because she looked at it, not studied it. There's a difference between knowledge and scholarship. Knowledge is easy. Knowledge is is, is on your smartphone, man. Knowledge is so obtainable. Knowledge, getting knowledge is easier than getting a home loan in 2008. Screw you, that's a good joke, and I'm taking it. Knowledge is super easy. Scholarship, recognizing how the knowledge connects, very, very difficult. Still takes people who are are different than us, right? They have a real understanding of subject. But with Whoopi Goldberg, she never thought to even understand the subject. That part didn't matter. She felt it. She looked at it, and she looked at it and said, well, it's white on white, so clearly can't be about race. Never once dawned on her. But clearly some people got a hold of her. And uh, late last night, clearly after she did the show with Stephen Colbert, she put out a statement on today's show. I said that the Holocaust is not about race, but about man's inhumanity to man. I should have said it is about both. As the Anti-Defamation League shared, the Holocaust was about the Nazi systemic annihilation or systematic annihilation of the Jewish people who they deemed to be an inferior race. I stand corrected with my sincerest uh, apologies, Whoopi Goldberg. So it's still not about both, even though you can argue any of these things as man's inhumanity to man. 
It's still not about both. It was about one thing. It was about Nazis saying that Jews were inferior, Jews were termites, Jews were the problem, Jews were evil. Oh, I'm sorry, Jews were termites was Louis Farrakhan. I get those confused. Jews are terrible and they have to be annihilated. We are, are the ones who will be the future and this is an inferior race. Plain and simple, it's about one thing. All of this to say that cancel culture does us no good. And Whoopi Goldberg getting fired would do us no good. And us not having this conversation would do us no good. Sometimes people make mistakes. You correct and you move on. I will make them, you will make them, Whoopi Goldberg made them. On to the next. Now we know. Now the real question will be, who comes along with this line again? Who would dare speak this lie? I mean, there's a whole story in that about people who want to make this. You see, it's about religion and not about race. So therefore, you know, you can be anti-religion because religion, of course, is bad. And that way you can keep up the anti-Semitism. Oh, there's a whole thing working on the side there. Misinformation is what Whoopi Goldberg put out, and she shouldn't be fired for it. Just like Joe Rogan should stay on Spotify. Freedom of speech exists not for the people you like. It exists for the people you hate, not for the speech you like. It exists for the speech you hate. And grace in and of itself gives people an opportunity to get better. And a society that doesn't have it, I don't know what society that is. I don't know what society that is at all. Whoopi was wrong. She may still be wrong. And we're going to say so and not get fired for it. I'm Tony Katz. There has been weather all across the East Coast. And you've seen flights delayed and people digging out from snow. We are not immune Right here in central Indiana, Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today, it's good to be with you. Marcus Bailey joins us right now. He's a meteorologist for Wish a TV. And I don't know what you call this kind of, of storm, man, but Indiana and, and a lot of places throughout the Midwest are looking at this system coming through that's going to dump feet of snow mm-hmm. all over us. And, and where I live, we don't know if we're going to get the two to five inches or we're going to get the foot and a half. It's nuts. So uh, break it down. What is the latest on this thing? Yeah, so, Tony, I mean, this, to your point, this is a massive system that stretches basically from Texas all the way to basically Ohio with watches and warnings already in place for this midweek storm. Um, in, in central Indiana specifically, uh, in, in Indiana in general, it kind of comes in two waves. Um, it starts really tonight um, with rain because we're very warm. It's a beautiful afternoon here in Indianapolis already. Um, but it comes as rain late tonight, but it quickly will start changing over to frozen precipitation, whether that be sleet briefly and then to snow starting in northwestern Indiana. And that line will progressively move down to the south and east throughout your Wednesday. In Indianapolis, we may not get any frozen precip until probably close to the evening drive. So we may have the first half or first chunk of the day in Indy wet. Um, and a lot of people will be saying, where's the snow? It's coming because we do eventually think by 
Wednesday night with wave number two kind of coming in here and the colder air moving in. It really picks up steam with some heavy snowfall Wednesday night and pretty much all day Thursday the entire state is locked in with some pretty continuous and at times some pretty heavy snow. It's going to make for some difficult travel. So the question before us is where where does it when does it start and exactly what do we get? So we've got this line, right? You, you, Bloomington, mm-hmm. two to five inches. Uh, South right. Bend, 9,000 feet. Uh, we, <laughs> I mean, we're in the middle. Yeah. What, what's, what is the Indianapolis, central Indiana uh, amount of snow? I'll tell you. So, you know, I, like I said, I think a lot of the day tomorrow we're going to be locked in with rain. Um, there was some concern, Tony, that especially, you know, you and I talked early this morning of ice. Um, whether it be freezing rain or sleet um, being an issue for the second half of our Wednesday, I think as we're starting to get more projections coming in and this storm is really kind of getting its act together, um, that may be a little bit less of a concern. I think we still could get a little bit of it, but we may have a very, very quick transition from rain for much of the day on Wednesday and then once we get into the evening hours to snow, and that's going to continue into Thursday. So, you know, right now, I, I went early this morning with five to eight inches for specifically around Indianapolis. Um, but you get just in some of the northern metro counties, those are places like Carmel and Noblesville, Westfield, you know, very highly populated suburban areas of the northern metro. Um, you could be in kind of that eight to 12 inch range. There's a pretty, there might be a steep drop off, but there are some trends that say we may have to tack on maybe, you know, put us up a little bit in Indianapolis. And I don't know if 10 inches is, is, is not in reach um, as we go into your Thursday. So I think it's going to be a pretty significant snow event. And I think that's pretty much around the metro. You could have some lesser amounts when you get into Morgan and Johnson and Shelby counties in the southern metro. But I still think it's a significant amount of, of at least six inches or more in those spots uh, as we go, especially into Thursday, Wednesday night into Thursday. So what? when Wednesday does this start? Because I'm supposed to be on a plane to Florida, and I'd like to make that happen, please. <laughs> of course. And timing is perfect, Tony. Absolutely perfect for you. Um, you know, I, like I said, I think for the metro area and flying out of Indy, if we kind of take ice out of the equation, um, if you're leaving in the, you know, the, the, the evening hours, it will be snowing and visibility is really low. But I don't think we're going to have a lot of damage done in terms of accumulation at that point. Now, it's going to be coming down hard. When it starts to go, uh, it's really going to pick up steam. But I think that even really picks up more so overnight into uh, Thursday, where I think Thursday is going to be extremely difficult for travel. Um, so my gut tells me right now, Tony, you're probably going to be fine. You're going to be kind of in that transitional period when you're getting right. ready to take off. But that's that's what you're going to be looking at. Marcus Bailey, Wish TV meteorologist. I appreciate you taking the time. Is the White House softening the ground on a really bad jobs report coming? My conversation with economist Dr. Matt Will. That is next. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today on Facebook. Tony Katz Radio. Seven rate hikes. Seven. Bank of America analysts saying that the Fed is committing to seven rate hikes this year. A rate hike every single time they get together. That's a whole bunch of rate hikes. 
How high does it go? And is the White House getting us prepared for some absolutely garbage numbers when we talk about the jobs report that's going to be out? Because they're starting to to lay the groundwork that, well, you know, um, because of Omicron, because of Omicron, the January numbers aren't so great. They're already laying that out. They're already setting everybody up. I mean, that is that is frightening and damaging. And I would say hilarious, except these things cause us great, great issues. Dr. Matt Will joins us right now, economist with the University of Indianapolis, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L, mattwill.com. That's where you find him. You also find him on on your Twitter box. I believe it's Dr. Matt Will on Twitter. And and I got it before I get to the interest rate hikes, which is why I reached out. I was like, okay, seven, says Bank of America, seven interest rate hikes. Holy hell. Let's start with this one. White House warns that the Omicron spike could skew the January jobs report. Is this covering bases, or are you hearing that there's some kind of truth behind that idea? Tony, I can't help but laugh. This is absolute 100% political spin, and I'm not even a political analyst, and I can tell you that's what's happening here. This is just trying to get ahead of bad news. The January consumer sentiment missed expectations, Tony. It was the worst since March of 2020, the worst since when when COVID hit the world. The S&P had its worst month in March, since since March of 2020, the, the month COVID started. Tony, I could go down a list of these things that are the worst since COVID started. And for, for the, the, the White House to say that it's COVID related, so he's saying that today's COVID is worse than when it started over two years ago? That's absurd, Tony. Well, they're not saying that. They're saying that they expected a lot more growth. And, and unfortunately, uh, the, the, this, this Trump-inspired virus, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just kept us from being able to get the number that we were expecting. After all, we're coming off of a, of a GDP growth, gross domestic product, of 6.7%. I mean, we're rocking and rolling, and the Biden economy is clearly working for America. Isn't this, just, isn't this a rational thing for them to say? Tony, it's, 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 again, it's political spin because it's not rational. Yeah, if we have 6% GDP growth, of course, when we manually shut down and lock down the economy, you're going to destroy it and take it very low, and then, of course, it's going to come back up. That's just how a roller coaster works, Tony. When something goes down, it comes back up. That does not mean that the up is great. When you cause the down, the up is going to occur naturally. But, Tony, you said the right phrase. Missing expectations. The market already has all this in there. The market has an inflation. The market has in a COVID. The market has uh, what's happened in the past, what they think the forecasts are going to be. And we're still missing expectations, Tony, on every single variable. I mean, heck, McDonald's missed earnings expectations. When does that ever happen? McDonald's is always where everyone goes. They never miss expectations. Chevron missed expectations. The S&P worst month in, in two years, Tony. And, and I could go on with another piece of some other economic data. We're missing the expectations and, the, and they're trying to put the blame on somebody other than the policy of reducing domestic uh, exploration of energy, regulation, labor laws that don't allow the ports to be open, even though the president says they're open. T- Tony, I, I got to jump in and say this one thing. 
Jerome Powell on Sunday had an interview where he said, his exact quote is, nothing has been done to alleviate the supply chain crisis. That's what Jerome Powell said. That's a pretty dramatic statement. Yet the president and it goes to something 24-7. Jerome yeah, Powell something that we've not. discussed and we've known talking to Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, that, you know, all the bluster and all the talk about the ports, and we're getting these ports working 24-7. We asked a very simple question here. Just because you say you're going to get the ports to work 24-7, does that mean you have the ability to get the ports working 24-7? Do you have the manpower? Do you have the skill set? Do you have the technology? There's a lot that goes into this. Never mind. Can you force the Longshoremen's Union to get this done? We knew it was just a cover, knew it was just a play uh, to get people through the Christmas season and try and make them feel like we're getting something done here. But I think that the, the whole idea of McDonald's missing earnings is something that, that is going to move people. But let's say they're not really big on the market. Like me, I, I am no market expert right here. When you hear that McDonald's misses earnings, is there something else to discuss? Like, for example, maybe McDonald's getting a, a little too far ahead of itself, maybe thinking too many people are like me and can eat 47 Egg McMuffins at one time. Isn't it possible that McDonald's is the issue and not the market? Well, OK, Tony, let me give you two examples. Um, Chevron, we've got we've got very high oil prices. They've almost doubled in the last two years. Yet Chevron missed expectations. Tell me how an oil company in the booming oil price market is missing expectations as well, because the economy is slowing. And Tony, I know this is an anecdotal example, but go to my Twitter feed, uh, Dr. Matt Will. I posted a photo a few minutes ago of the shelves. Walk around your grocery store. Don't believe me, Tony. Let your listeners, of course, keep your radio on. Walk around the, sh the grocery store. Look at the empty shelves. They don't exist, Tony. It doesn't take you don't need an economist to see that the supply chain is disrupted. Right. The, the, the idea that there are no empty shelves, that myth doesn't exist because there are indeed empty shelves. Now, let me bring it over to where we, we started here. And I appreciate you engaging the little devil's advocate talk uh, with me. The Fed is expected, according to Bank of America, to raise rates seven times this year to fight inflation. Now, we had already heard that they were thinking about doing it four times. I got myself into a place of saying, we're going to see a 2% increase in interest rates. And you had said, why only 2%? I mean, that was basically what you said. Do they think they can raise interest rates just a little bit at a time and we're the frog in the water and we won't notice we're boiling? You know, Tony, I, I like your analogy, but remember the other day we had the same conversation and, and people after our conversation said I was nuts because I said we're going to have to raise mates, rates more than people thought. Well, apparently, Tony, I undershot the estimate because when we said four and I said pay possibly five, two percent or more, Bank of America says we were too low. And, but the, the basic premise, Tony, of what we talked about is still true. They have to stop a recession. And they're going to pull that Band-Aid off, Tony. They're going to rip it off because if they rip it off gradually, the recession that is coming will be dramatic and long. And they know what's coming, and they've got to rip that thing off. Tony, just today, a few hours ago, about an hour ago, the, the, production, the purchasing manager's report came out. It's a nerdy report. It's my favorite report. I look forward to it at the first of every month. The economy is still expanding, Tony, but new orders have declined. Production has declined. Deliveries have declined. Inventories have declined. And producer prices are the highest as far back as I could find the data, Tony. The producer prices, 
Tony, that's going to be passed along to you and I. The producers aren't going to sit there and lose money. They keep missing expectations, Tony. They keep missing their profit expectations. They're going to pass those costs along. So just hold on because it's going to happen soon. When you dig into the article, I've got the Fox Business article here. Uh, they talk about seeing a, an interest rate that um, puts the target range between two and three quarter and three percent. Uh, what are interest rates right now? And in your view, is that the range or are we going to see something grow even bigger than that? Tony, the Fed funds right now is zero. I mean, they've got a range right now, but the Fed controls the Fed funds rate. They don't control the rate you and I do, the, the, the rate that you and I pay. That rate is determined by the banks. And, and again, we talked about this in your in your podcast the other day. But the Fed funds rate, you know, that's a different number. And, and that is right now, I shouldn't say it's zero, Tony. It's a point zero 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 seven. I say that's zero. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go along with that. We'll go along with very cheap. Very cheap money. But so when, when they're talking about a Bank of America, 2.75 to 3%, are they talking about the Federal Reserve's rate? Because that's yes. going to put America at a much higher rate. Yes. Tony, th th that's exactly what they're saying. They're talking about the Fed funds rate. You know, the target, of course, is right now zero to 0.25%. They're talking, of course, two and three quarters to 3%. The goal, though, Tony, the goal is to keep the rate you and I pay low. Again, that's why that podcast where we had those silly graphics I put up the other day would be very helpful. Is people need to understand the Fed funds rate goes up. The goal is to pull inflation down. Because inflation, is, if it's 7 or like it was in the 80s, 14%. Tony, the Fed funds rate could be 2%. You're going to pay 18% for your money because the banks add an inflation premium. So they're trying to pull that inflation down. So hopefully they'll jack those rates up to 3% and inflation will go from 7 or 8 down to 1 or 2. Fingers crossed. But they've Talking got to Matt Will. Thing, Tony, they've got to pull that Band-Aid off and get the inflation down. Nothing's worse than inflation. Talking about Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I want to be clear uh, about something here. I don't know exactly where the interest uh, rate is, is going uh, to, to end up. Uh, and and if, if the, the federal funds rate is 2.75 or, or 3 percent, the Bank of America uh, economists saying they project seven quarter percentage point rate increases, which will be one and three quarter uh, per, percent there. Um, I don't know if that'll be the Fed fund rate. I don't know. It'll be what we uh, as as the consumer are dealing with. The question I have for you, Dr. Will, in examining these things is, what is the number that gives people the willies? What is the number where people say, you know what, we can't afford it? Can't afford the house, can't afford the car, can't afford the, 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 the capital investment in the business. What is that number? You know, Tony, if you were to ask me this question 10 years ago, I would say 10%. But we've been so used to lower interest rates now you know, you going to get a, a 2% mortgage, I, I would say when rates hit 5 or 6%. So if the, Fed, if the Fed is charging 3% and your bank has a 5% a, a inflation premium on that, you're walking out of there with a 7 8% mortgage, Tony. Minimum, minimum. And I think people are starting to get the willies at 5 or 6%. So that's we are why, seeing refinances As much down. as I don't like to predict, Tony, that's why I'm predicting a possible recession because this is Are you wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you can't be throwing up stuff like that just willy-nilly. All of a sudden, you're going to drop the recession on us? 
Tony, two quarters exactly recession. Wait, wait. saying what they're saying, and that's why the Fed is saying what they're saying. Everyone's trying to stop it. Hold on, do hold they on, have the hold on, do Doctor Will. I just want to get us back. Uh, uh, let's make sure we're on the same conversation. Let's make sure we have definitions. A recession is two negative quarters of GDP. That's what makes a recession. There's conversation of recession, and then there's actual recession. You're saying, you're thinking, as you look at the economics, we can see enough of an interest rate increase that we're going to have negative GDP growth, and we're going to see two quarters of it and put us into a recession in 2022? Matt, Tony? I told you many, many times, I'm not a forecaster and a predictor, but all the indications are right now that that is highly possible. And I'll, I'll leave my politically adept answer at that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was not bad. That was not, you're, you're just trying to scare people. That's what you are. You're the fear monger. That's all you are. Or is that what they're going to say about you? It's one or the other. But you were right about the interest rates. You were right there. So so right now, your track record's uh, pretty good. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. Dr. Matt Will on the Twitter box of M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L, mattwill.com. Check him out there, sir. It's always a pleasure to get to talk to you. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Gavin Newsom is a fraud. Then again, so is the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed. Then again, so is the representative from San Francisco, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. What is it about the people from San Francisco? And that's just weird. Gavin Newsom tells everybody they have to wear masks. He goes out to dinner, French laundry, a restaurant. If you can afford it, we should be friends. And he doesn't wear a mask. And then, and then uh, you've got Mayor London Breed saying you should wear a mask, and then she goes out to party, but the spirit hit her, don't you know? And she's not wearing a she's not wearing a mask. And then Speaker Pelosi, she has to get uh, the, the the hair done up uh, right, right? You got you got to have the hair done, uh, and uh, she she's not wearing a mask. But you you have to wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask on the House floor, you get fined. And okay, uh, frauds one and all. The latest from Gavin Newsom is he attends the NFC Championship game. You have got uh, the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. The Rams win the game. I actually do feel bad for, for Jimmy Garoppolo because he won't be with that team. His time as a, as a quarterback may be done. And he came out of New England. Oh, this was the good backup. This was the guy. They wrote him the big check. Didn't they do that with Brock Oster? Brock Oster something. Brock Osweiler. I was it Osweiler? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Right? And then they sent them to Houston, and I was just a big hot mess. But I feel for this dude, because he did not get any protection towards the end of that game. He was trying anything. And there's Gavin Newsom at the game, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And there's a picture of him with Magic Johnson, and he's not wearing a mask. And People are like, you're not wearing a mask. Will you tell everybody to wear a mask? Well, well, as you know, I'm, I'm very judicious, and I, uh, I, I, took a, I took my mask off to have a sip of water because when you go to a football game, that's, that's how you're hydrating, uh, and, and to take a photo with Magic Johnson. But, of course, the camera came to him, the fan cam, and there he is without a mask. He's a liar. Meanwhile, your children wear masks to schools. Your children are having more speech impediments than ever. Your children are living in fear. These people are happy as a clam. 
take the masks off your kids, and if anybody has a problem with it, tell them to kiss off. Call Gavin Newsom, the punk-ass you-know-what that he is, and move on with your day. All mayors, all school uh, officials, stop it. If your school won't stop the mask mandates, send your kids anyway without a mask, and then take 10,000 of you and walk right into the superintendent's office and demand that he or she change the policy. You're not leaving until they do. Let the cops arrest all 10,000 of you. Your elected officials can walk around free. Your children suffer. Hold on. And you're okay with that deal? Huh. Notice I didn't say get violent. Notice I didn't say get rude. Notice I didn't say anything like that. All I said was use the tactics of Black Lives Matter. They taught us so much. And walk in 10,000 strong. Sit down. Let them arrest you. It's your kids. What's your plan? These people are lying to you every single step of the way. That's who they are. That's what they do. Don't let them do that. Meanwhile, are we going to war with Russia, which is going to invade Ukraine? Noah Rothman scheduled to be with us to break it down. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Keep it right here.